0: We've launched with this series, Colossal, we're just, we're looking at Colossians. We're just going in order, folks. We're just looking at this awesome deal of Colossians. And what's funny is I'm going to speak for about two hours over the course, not today, not today, don't freak out. I'm not taking that hour back. Don't worry. Over the course of four weeks, 30 minutes a session, and on a book you can read in 15 minutes. And you can read all four chapters in about 15 minutes. Like, well, Why are we spending all this copious amount of time? Why are you going to say so much about this book? We can just, we can just take time and just pause and we can just all sit here and read it right now. Um, but it's because this is one of these things that Paul is bringing the, the Colossian people back to the foundations. And it is important. And that's why I'm excited about us digging into this. Because see, the biggest truths in life often seem so basic. But those basic truths are the foundation On which everything is built. The foundation determines the structure, the strength, the depth, all of that determines the structure. And the cool thing is, we talked about last week, that Jesus is the foundation. You know what? When we understand the depth and the strength and the magnitude of what Jesus is for us and what we are in Him, all of a sudden we really begin to see that there really is limitless. Because Jesus, as the foundation, there is no limits. We can really build and grow on him but we have to make sure it stays there. I have always enjoyed building stuff and and Carson has this little app on his iPad and uh uh where he's able to like build these little civilizations and uh anyways and he's uh builds these little worlds and these little buildings and these skyscrapers. We used to play with Legos and now they're like doing it all virtual. And um he has some Legos but he likes he likes this cuz then he can play with it and do a lot. And that's just kind of in us, in our nature. We like to like to build. Well, as a kid, I would I would uh, like take every other picket off of our fence. Drove my dad insane, but I needed lumber. And so, and if I took every other picket, well then the dog still couldn't get out. And so, and it would somehow the wind would blow, and a picket would somehow fall down, and I would get me some lumber that I needed to build what I needed to build. And I understand now why my dad wanted to choke me so much. And uh, so I would take uh, this lumber and I would build some stuff. And one time I, we had a nice big tree on the side of the house. Had me a nice little tree house started. And uh, decided I wanted an elevator in my tree house. Thought that would be awesome. Got me some rope and some pulleys. And had a nice little pulley system. And built a little platform. And had my little four deals up to a central pulling point And created an elevator for my tree house. And I sit there and have to work it. And, of course, if you ever work the pulley system, it takes a whole lot of effort. You put a whole lot of motion in to just move a little, little teeny, teeny bit. Was well, I'm working it, and on its maiden voyage uh, up the tree, I'm working it and moving it, and I had forgotten a central, a central thing. That here, this thing that's basically a swing, um, that I'd forgotten that it needed a foundation. It needed some brace. It needed some guidelines to be able to really work so on its maiden voyage i'm working and it's going up it's working i'm about four and a half feet off the ground it's exciting i get to swing in and i bust my bedroom window It smashed right through my bedroom window and um so uh my my mom hears that she comes out and she's just so livid with me and you know i'm thinking you know she's like man you're gonna have to deal with your dad on this and I'm like, no no not dad and uh can't you just beat me instead of him <laughs> And uh, I'll just get this over with. And uh, so dad comes home and thankfully she's like, Brandon, he built an elevator and he broke the window. And he's like, hold up. My boy built the elevator? That's awesome. Well, my mom had already made me tear it down and all this stuff. And I, my dad, he connected. He understood. He understood. But my fault was is trying to operate and go so that it wasn't, the foundation wasn't there. That's why we keep coming back to this over and over again. We can kind of get ahead of ourselves and on some different fronts if we don't make sure we stay focused on this, which is the truth of that is presented in 1 Corinthians, and we'll get into Colossians 2 in just a second. But 1 Corinthians 3 says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That is the foundation that everything is built on. That is the central foundation absolute central peace last week we talked about the fact that we don't jesus isn't our starting point that we're like okay awesome jesus got us saved high five now we move on past jesus thank you jesus i'm still cool with you jesus you know but now i'm uh, moving on in this in this christian thing no we don't move past jesus he's not the starting point he's the alpha and the omega he's the beginning and the end he is we he is everything and we go deeper into jesus our understanding of this incredible gift of who jesus was we first get the First piece of it, that he's our savior. But then as we grow in God, he is so much more than that. And provided us so much more. And so we move deeper into Jesus. And the more we know and understand Jesus, the more we know and understand the mystery of God. Over and over again, people are like, "Well, you know, Pastor Brandon, you know, God just—I don't understand this about God, and I don't understand that about God, and I don't understand these things." I said, "Well, let's 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 look at Jesus. When we understand Jesus, we understand we understand these things." We're like, "Well, you know, well, I, I got—we got—you know—diagnosed, or the family was, some of our family was diagnosed with cancer, and, and we we don't know how to pray because maybe God gave it to them, and maybe He's teaching them something." I'm like, "Well, wait a second, wait a second, let's look at Jesus." We see, that, see Jesus going around healing people. But then we don't see him making anybody sick. We don't see him throwing sickness on anybody. So, okay, so we can begin to understand God, the Father. And we understand God when we begin to look at and go deeper in to Jesus. Jesus is the revelation of the Father. He, was the, he is the, the fullness. Let's go ahead and look at Colossians 2. It says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding folks i'm not there yet we're all growing in this remember our purpose is to help people to know god better and to trust him more that's that life of faith we know in whom we have believed we have we connect with we connect with with not this, this mystery out there, we start with Jesus and we grow. And as we begin to understand who he is and what he's done for us, all of a sudden our level of trust grows. Our faith begins to grow. And it begins to impact our daily life. It says, in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is one of those things that just gets sweeter and better the more and more we encounter and and enjoy and engage with Jesus. He's not just this savior, this little this little go-to thing. He's not just that. We begin there, and yes, He is our savior, but He has so 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 much more. We had, in our newcomers class, we had a real nice full newcomers class. It was a uh, fact record. Newcomer's class was exciting. and We just finished it up. And one of the questions we do uh, ask is, uh, um, you know, what's your favorite movie? And so different people went and did different things. Of course, Conrad said, you know, some Western movie. And, uh, uh, you know, and there was a few guys that said some kind of girly movies and and, uh, not chick flick movies. Let me clarify. Um Anyways, my my one of my favorite movies uh of all time is Oceans Eleven. Now I realize, you know, Pastor, this is based on sin. This is a sin movie they're stealing from somebody. And uh but I just love the whole, I just love the whole the interaction of the group, and I just I just love the cooperation and each person making their contribution and it, it shows me this beautiful picture of the body of Christ, their uniquenesses and their giftings and all that. It's not that big a stretch, folks. Don't look at me and shake your head like that. It's not. It is not. Jesus can teach me through whatever he wants to. I give you room, you give me some room. I like Ocean's Eleven. Anyways, but I love the fact that as, as they did it, that there were, there were things that they knew. I love it that they expected you to come back. Because on the first year, there are things you just can't appreciate. The first time you see it. Because it doesn't mean anything to you. There are little words that they throw out. There are little things that they th- throw out. And if you haven't seen the whole movie, you don't catch it. So therefore, it's there. It's They didn't veil it. They didn't hide it. It's right there in front. But because you haven't already had one encounter with the movie, you're not appreciating these other things. But the next time... All of a sudden, this little this little interaction, this little thing, all of a sudden, it begins. Oh, okay, that's what that is. That's what that. That's why he calls it that. That's that. Okay. There's all these little code words and interact. And all of a sudden, you now feel like an insider. All of a sudden, now you feel more apart. part. You're not just an, a spectator. I'm the 12th ocean. All of a sudden, a, as I'm encountering and, and going through this, and I love it that they anticipated us being connected over and over again. That is why Jesus and this relationship we got, it never gets boring, folks. It should never get boring. If it gets boring, it's because we are not actively engaging. That's why it's exciting to me to, to go through and to read the Word again and again and again. Because there are things that maybe, it was right there out in front the whole time. It was right there. God didn't hide it. It was right there. said that, said those words. But because I didn't have a certain understanding, I missed it. I didn't connect. I didn't get it. But then as I grow and all of a sudden now I see Jesus is this. And now I come back and I be- begin to see. Oh, wow. Wow. That's why there are certain words that if you don't understand. That the the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. What, what in the world does that mean? Somebody that doesn't have a Jewish connection. We don't understand that. They were deep insiders. They knew exactly what that meant. That spoke volumes. When when. Jesus was pointed out as that we grow in him it gets richer and richer and richer second Peter says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness by his glory in his goodness he's given us all this stuff by his glory and his goodness I just I absolutely love that. And when we begin to live in it, it's not us that gets the glory, it's Him. He does it, He pours out His mercy and His love and His grace on us because He enjoys it, because He wants to. Not because we deserve it in and of ourselves, but because He has chosen in Him to make us worthy. It is a beautiful thing. And as we grow in that knowledge, it just gets deeper and richer and fuller all the time. Colossians two sixteen says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival or a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Now, when it says this, don't let anybody judge you, now that, that's not getting that real belligerent mean to, don't you dare judge me. Don't you look at me. Don't you judge me. It's not talking about that aggressive thing. That don't you let somebody judge you is that thing of don't embrace their judgment. If somebody looks down their nose at, at, at your freedom in Christ, don't let somebody take that away from you based on their judgment. We don't have to get all up in somebody's face defending it. We just live in that freedom. Because there are things, there was the all of these things are are back into these these, these code words of new moon celebrations and and Sabbath days. If you not understand the the um, the the Jewish uh, um, law and the Jewish practices, then that doesn't make any sense to you. But the Sabbath day, man, they they tried to judge Jesus based on the Sabbath day. They tried to judge him based on it. And one of the things that just it blows my mind. This is where this whole. This whole religion thing comes and squeezes the life out of this freedom and this relationship that we have in christ get this get this okay jesus is doing miracles healing people just incredible stuff and one minute you know they're saying that he's doing it by you know casting demons out by bells above he's in league with the devil and uh you know he deals with jesus deals with that and so and it's the sabbath day and here's a man with a withered hand. His hand is all jacked up. It's all, it doesn't work. His muscles are all atrophied. And he's all, he's all messed up. Okay? And here he is. It's the Sabbath. You're supposed to rest. You're not supposed to do any work. And here's Jesus. And they're in the same room. And they, desire, they look at these, these, these people who are judging on this level. Like, you know what? Let's watch. Because then we can accuse him. Let's watch and let's see if he heals on the Sabbath. How jacked up is that? They didn't question his ability to heal. What? Oh, we know he can heal, but he might do it on a day he's not supposed to do that. He might take this guy who's, who's jacked up withered hand, and he'll do it on a day he's not supposed to. That's a holy day to God. Don't you dare make somebody better on a day that's holy to God. You just let them suffer. Do you know this Jesus stuff and this Christian, this religious stuff, let them suffer. My God, doesn't did, that blow your mind? They didn't question his ability to heal. They questioned whether or not he would break a law to do it. And you know what he did? He broke the law to do it and established a new law that doing good on the Sabbath is a higher code than to neglect the suffering on this day and hide behind some religious thing and say, well, I can't do anything about it because it's Sabbath day. Oh, I just, I love Jesus. See, this understanding of who he is, it becomes a foundation that protects us from being deceived by things that sound right. And folks, we've talked about over and over and over again that we are saved by faith, by grace through faith. That we have not earned a bit of this. We haven't earned a bit of it. We come to him where well, there's nothing we can add to this. We say yes and we take it and we are 100% right with God based on what he did with us. But man, I tell you what, there's this stuff that can come in and it's insidious and it's messed up and it jacks our relationship up with God, but it sounds right. You know what? It sounds right. sounds right. Well, if you're going to be a good Christian, well, then you need to... You need to do this and you need to not do that. You need to kind of get your stuff in order. And you better quit doing that. You better not do this. And you better follow all these little codes and all these little things. Or else you're just, you are just spitting on the cross of Christ. Wait a second. Wait a second. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Now, if the Holy Spirit is convicting me and asking me to move forward in that area, okay then I have, there's, there's something that the Holy Spirit needs to deal with. okay. But guess what? I know that I was a big enough mess that all my knots couldn't be untwined at once. And I have a feeling you're the same way. And I have a feeling Joe Blow is the same way. And he deals with one or two knots at a time until finally we're all set right. And we have to be patient enough with each other. And that's why we can't let this thing come in. Because Colossians 2 says, I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I'm absent with you in the body, I'm present with you in the spirit. And delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. How firm and strong your faith in christ is not to see how how many good little things you're doing not to see how many scriptures you can quote not to see how much money you gave to the poor not to see all of this religious outside things is it good to know scripture yes is it good to give money to the needy yes but that's not what's coming it's all based on our relationship with christ we give out of love we serve out of love we do everything out of love not out of obligation so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to live in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Isn't that awesome? That we get to, dis- when, when God taps us on the shoulder and says, we need to deal with this, with this little destructive habit in your life. That we do it rooted in the fact that God's doing that. Not because he's mad at us. But because he's forgiven us. And he wants us to live in the freedom he's already given us. That is this place rooted and established in love. I'm doing this out of a place of, of him and his love work working in me. Not trying to get him to love me. Or trying to make him undispleased with me. Or, or any of that. This is... Oh, it is a beautiful thing. But these fine sounding arguments will begin to come in and destroy what is the purity of our faith in Christ and Christ alone. Romans 16 says, I urge you brothers to watch out for those who cause divisions among you and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the minds of naive people. And folks, I'm just going to de- define naive people this way. Naive people, they have a trusting disposition, but no wisdom and knowledge to base their decision on. So they just kind of go with it. They want to do right. I want, I want to do right. I love God. I want, I want to do this right. And out of their naivety, they embrace these, these things that people are placing, these judgments and these controls. Oh, we have freedom. We have freedom. And it is, has so much more power to change our lives than the rules ever did. And we're going to look at that in just a second. Galatians 1.8 says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach another gospel to you other than the one preached, let him be eternally condemned. You stay focused with the first true gospel. Because you know what? Some of what sounds right is simply human tradition, which must be avoided. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principle of this world, rather than on Christ. There's nothing wrong with some tradition, folks. But we can't let it become doctrine. We can't. It's okay. Tradition is typically done in preference. Okay? I I like, and and as the pastor of Celebration Church, I like rock and roll worship. I like it. But if we ever, if I ever stand here and said, if it ain't rock and war worship, it ain't worship, something's wrong. Okay? I enjoy it. Is there anything wrong with the classic hymns? No. Is there anything wrong with country worship or Tejano worship or, or whatever flavor of... No. It's preference, folks. And anytime we take one of these human tradition things and we force it in that this is the way it has to be, it becomes this religious dogma. And it becomes, it becomes <clears throat> life choking. We can't let that happen. These human traditions. These preferences that come in. I mean there's some people who may have a problem with the fact that we're pretty casual. That we're pretty casual in our attire. So you know what? Well you ought to wear your best. You ought to put your best on to go to worship the Lord. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, I appreciate that thought. I really do. Okay. But part of our assignment is to meet people where they're at, okay? So what we want is we want to remove as many excuses as possible, okay? So we want somebody to be able to go to their closet, grab whatever they want to grab, feel comfortable, put it on, and come to church. That they don't have to have a suit and a tie and the right shoes and all that kind of stuff, and that they walk in as they are, that that's cool, okay? That it is about that. I appreciate those that say, well, you ought to wear your best and do it. And if that's your conviction, then roll with it. That's totally fine. But we can't make those human traditions come in. They'll choke the life out of things. Colossians uh, two nine says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is head over every power. We have fullness right now. And when you are dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins, having canceled the written code. Folks, those are the rules and the law. And this is stuff that God had handed down initially. This isn't man's stuff. This is God's stuff, folks. But there was a process. It says, For with all with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed us, he took it... <clears throat> away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross Well, what the law did, it says look you want to be right, here it is try it on your own, fellas and it point out we can't do it so in Christ he set us free from something that that could not bring us right with God, you want to do it on your own, there you go there's the path And nobody's nobody's done it. Nobody. Nobody. And He, even in that, at the cross, we are freed from those things, folks. We are free. So guess what? Living in the newness of who we are in Christ is the only thing that produces true abundant life. It really is. We can try to put these other rules and and this human nature and my willpower and I'm just going to be a better man. And you know what? Maybe we can be a little bit better. And if we compare, compare with some, somebody else, we might go, wow, I've made a few steps forward. I'm, I used to be about even with uh, Mr. Knucklehead, and now I'm a couple steps better than Mr. Knucklehead. Okay? And we compare ourselves on that level. Maybe we can feel kind of good about ourselves. But you know what? Real life change doesn't happen that way. It's the Spirit of God alive in us, speaking to us, leading us, freeing us, and us really being free. Where we're not just trying to hold the thing in with human effort. But we're always saying we're living in freedom. Colossians 2 says, Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you from the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he's seen. And his, his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He's lost connection with the head. It's Jesus. Jesus. From whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principle of this world, why as though are you still <clears throat> why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to the rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with you because they're based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom. But with the self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in, rest- in restraining sensual indulgence. When it's all said and done, it doesn't produce anything. Seems good, looks good. Gives me a little thing I can just kind of work on on my own. I don't have to talk, about, talk to God, listen to Him, and just do it on myself. No, 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 it doesn't get us anywhere. Again, 1 Corinthians 2 says, However, as it is written, no, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Remember, we talked talking about we're going deeper into Jesus. For those who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him and in the same way no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God and we have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we may understand what has been freely given to us it's been freely given it's not what we may understand what we can earn we're not what we may can understand what maybe we will can grow into He'll be gracious and give us another little something. It's already been freely given to us, already, in Christ, in Christ. Folks, we should fall in love with Jesus. We should stay in love with Jesus. We should grow in love with Jesus. It should be something that is continually going in us because, folks, living life in Christ, it starts and it grows and it ends with Jesus. All through this series, I'm going to challenge you this same challenge. Choose to stay, remain focused on Him. And you will truly build a firm foundation. Don't try to focus on what you can do for Him. It'll get you off. It'll get you off. Don't, definitely don't try to focus on, on what somebody else should be doing. Just stay focused on Jesus. Say, that, just, that sounds too simple. <laughs> oh. Try it for a while. You'll find it maybe a little more challenging. It requires the Holy Spirit to really allow it to do it. But man, I tell you what, this is where the life is. This is where the life is, folks. It really is. It really is. He is so much more for us than we understand, but we can't understand it. It's the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal it to us and you know, grow us in it. Right, quick. I want to create a quiet moment. We just want to create an opportunity because the starting point for this thing for all of us, for all of us, it starts. It doesn't end. It starts right here, of saying, you know what? I need a Savior. And I recognize that Jesus is him. I need it. I need one. And Jesus is him. And your, your, your motion today is to say, I'm going to turn over a new leaf and I'm going to be a better person. Your decision today is to say, you know what? The only way things are going to change is with you and me. And I choose to allow that to take place. My sin needed a death. Jesus did a death and I put a pile my sin on his account and he paid it and I now take the life that he freely gives that's what this stepping over from death to life thing is all about and while we have a quiet moment here I appreciate it if no one's looking around and those that that desire this if you just raise your hand we're going to just pray with you right quick